Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app, Red Army Bet. About fans, by fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm stood on some at Busby Way. It's raining, it's a pretty miserable Mancunian early February day and just stood with the lads selling United Where You Stand, um, John Ashton and Remo writes for the mag and then a couple who I recognise have just come up with some pictures of David Pegg who was one of the United players who died in the Munich air disaster and they have listened to this podcast, I've been aware that um, they've been listening to this podcast for quite some time, but I recognise them because you bought United We Stand Many for... Uh, it's been 20-odd years however long. Yeah. So what's your name? Uh, Debbie Hussain. And <laughs> you're, you're from Doncaster? Yeah, lifelong we're, Reds, yeah, yeah? and we're uh, my mum's partner's David Pegg's brother-in-law. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but we've been following United well, all my life. My mum's been following since 50s, haven't you? So, yeah. yeah. And what's your name? Uh, Janet Whitehouse. So you were following them United in the 50s? Yeah, I can remember being at school and um, every Saturday I'd get the Daily Herald out and after the, you know, listen to the results in the evening, you know, on the, on the old wireless. And uh, yeah, just, they just read so much to me and I'm just a lifelong red and I just love them, everything about the club. And you received, um, your family received invitations today from the club yes, because of the yes. significance of the, yes. the 60th anniversary? That's right, yeah. Um, my partner Jack will be in the uh, director's box with his son Luke. Um, Grandson Luke. Grandson Luke, yeah, I should yeah. say, who will be uh, yeah, representing the family today on this uh, Memorial Day. So, um, yeah, a bit moving and a bit touching, yeah. What was he like? You know people who, who knew David when he was alive. What yeah. type of person was he? Um, it was just a, it was just a lad from a local village. Even when he came home, uh, Jack had said it was straight out with the football and the lads, all the local lads in Highfield would just follow him and they'd go to the local park and just kick the ball around. Him and um, Mark, uh, Tommy Taylor. Tommy, T- Tommy Taylor and Bobby Chan had come yeah, with him and... Yeah. Uh, you know, they get the boots on, play with the local kids, kids kicking kicking them, you know, 30 kids against three three buzz with babes, you know. They just joined, yeah, all joined in. Because yeah. Taylor was from Barnsley, wasn't he? Which yeah. is not so far away from... No, I think he was friends with a lot of it, because David yeah. was a from a mining family, his dad was a miner. I think yeah. he sort of had that connection with Bobby from being from Ashington. Yeah. You know, that mining, um, Mark Jones and Tommy Taylor from yeah, mining backgrounds. And you're yeah. all from the wrong side of the Pennines, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Are people in Doncaster aware that one of their own... Um, oh, very much so, yeah, because in Doncaster Museum we used to have all David's um, his suit, club suit, his Charity Shield medals, his Lee medals, and then this year Doncaster Museum said they couldn't, it's a shame they couldn't keep it anymore because of the insurance, so it's now in the Club Museum, it's in the United Museum. So, and the, the grave, people still come to the grave, don't they, Mum? And they leave things, because Jack, Jack sometimes goes and tends the grave, and then they find, he finds, like, people leave letters off, scarves, and it, you know, we just know who's so brought them, but people go to the grave, yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, it's fascinating you know, to meet people with, with, with the connection. Are you going to go down to Old Trafford now? There's, yeah, there's... we're going to go for half plus one for the memorial. Yeah. We'll just sing, sing flowers in Manchester. And um, you've contributed to the fund um, which United fans have set up um, to restore and improve the memorial in, in Munich. Yeah, I heard, I heard on the podcast about um, it was a lad, a lad Crookie, was it? Yeah. Like, I remember saying you Tony talking, Crook. That's yeah. it, you were saying I'm talking to Crookie. 
and you were mentioning about a bench and uh, yeah. I, I, I said to Jack about, uh, about it, I told him about it and he said he'd like to contribute, you know, uh, representing the family. So yeah, put some money towards So the it. deal is I get a picture in Munich on Tuesday and send it to yeah, you and then nice. you come on the podcast in return. Yeah, lovely. So um, <laughs> thank you very much for, for, for joining us and I'll let you go, go down to, um, yeah. to, to outside the ground now. Just walking past your way and people are singing for Yorkshire. Huddersfield, you can hear them. It's a bit of a standoff actually. You don't often see this um, level of aggression. There's people getting arrested here, pulled away. Um, so there's half an hour to kick off. And at, at 1.30 there was uh, a memorial for Munich outside the Munich clock. And crowds have been continuing to build there's a big build up of Huddersfield town fans outside the away end plenty of insults flying taking me back a few years this um, you can hear the Huddersfield fans there are people there who look like they've never left Huddersfield there's one lad just giving abuse to United fans and the police have just moved in on him now and said any more of that and you're getting nicked. Manchester City, they're better than you, is what the Huddersfield fans are saying. It's actually, if I walk past here and I look at them, my impression of them is quite a negative one which doesn't at all tally with my experience of going to Huddersfield um, when they were doing really well last season I wrote a big article about them I met some good people I suppose there's bad eggs everywhere and, well, the police are right onto them so I'm going to walk into the ground I'm going to walk into the Munich Tunnel and hopefully Manchester United will get a win it's really important that We've, we've become accustomed to United being second. Oh, there's a guy trying to fight with some stewards here. And there's the Huddersfield fans now singing We Support Our Local Team. That's Huddersfield Town who were getting 12,000 two years ago and now getting 24,000. Um, there's a man being dragged away here. He must be 65 years old. There's another man being dragged away. I don't know whether they've just been ejected or um, maybe something more serious than that. So that's the atmosphere outside the ground. Fingers crossed that the, the game goes well. 23 people lost their lives in 1958, including eight players and three members of staff. Today, we'll remember all those victims and we will have a minute silence, which will begin and end on the referee's whistle.
I'm walking back across Old Trafford Forecourt passing Munich Memorial with fresh flowers I just bumped into Cliff Butler Cliff was um, United's uh, historian who's long time programme editor he's a very proud Mancunian Cliff and he still works in the club and I can remember in the 19, late 1990s coming to Old Trafford on the 6th of February on the forecourt uh, I didn't live far away um, I was doing some writing for the club magazines so I had reasons to come to Old Trafford and there were five or six people at four minutes past three on the forecourt and Cliff was always always one of them and he just said that he's going to celebrate the 60th anniversary and I don't think he's going to Munich the next podcast will be from, from Munich but with this one I'm going to continue with a chat with Paddy Barkley the journalist because the first chat we had went down very well and he's written a book on Smart Busby and gave me some interesting angles so after this and if I can survive getting over Trafford Wharf Road with all these millions of um, different roadworks then I'll, it'll continue on into to Paddy Barkley but United won 2-0 against Huddersfield Town Alexis Sanchez was the best player Paul Pogba was dropped replaced by Scott McTominay who was fine doesn't have the spark of Sanchez who does but I thought he did well uh, the manager refers to him as the kid and he, he didn't let him down uh, Huddersfield were very very aggressive especially in the first half especially against McTominay but United kept another clean sheet wasn't the best game of football I've ever seen but uh, Juan Mata played well um, a few positives I predicted 2-0 actually so there you go what a smart ass I am well after my 1-0 prediction my, my one all draw prediction against Tottenham it's about time I got something else right so United are second in the league before the game and I saw Burnley get their equaliser against City and there was a bit of a cheer there and somebody said we're going to catch them and win the league now and of course that's never ever going to happen so I'm going to disappear into the the Manchester night leave you with a chat with myself and, and Paddy Barkley and then I'll bring the next podcast from Munich on probably on Wednesday because I need time to to edit it and maybe speak to some of the United fans who are going over there for, for various reasons and some of the efforts that they've made until then we appreciate the support of our sponsors, which help keep this podcast free for you to enjoy. Uh, Harry's is a razor company. It's based in the United States. They've got over 3 million regular subscribers to their blades. And they're offering United We Stand listeners a trial set for only £2.95. It should be £11.50. If you go to harrys.com forward slash United, you can train, claim your trial set. It'll be delivered to your door. I've I've received one. I've used it. I liked it. It's a decent shave. The you get shaving gel. It's all very nicely packaged, and you get razors with five blades at a very decent price, especially compared with other five blade razors. And how they did that? Harry's bought a factory in Germany with over a hundred years of blade making experience. 
and they thought that by controlling the entire blade making process and selling over the internet they could keep the cost down give you a high quality shave at a better price so if you go to harrys.com forward slash united and then for £2.95 you'll get a weighted ergonomic razor handle you get the the blades the shave gel a travel blade cover as well and you can subscribe you can have them delivered to you as frequently or as infrequently as you like or you can just buy them outright if you want to do it i suggest you just try it see if you like it i'm joined today by paddy barkley paddy was a previous guest on the podcast when we spoke about his book sir matt busby the definitive biography of uh, sir matt busby and we, 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 I felt when I spoke to, to Paddy that time we could have spoken for three or four hours yeah. and so what I wanted to do was talk m- more around the, the Munich Air disaster it's something I've written about for many many years I've spoken to people um, about it and people who were very closely associated with it people who were around at the time people who were in, in the crash itself I was born in 1973 so I'm too young for it off the top of my head, my most vivid memories in all the time writing a, a, as a journalist and researching about Munich and speaking to people, Frank Swift, sorry, it was the old Manchester City goalkeeper who died um, at Munich, and that led me to talk to Bert Troutman. Bert was the German legendary Manchester City goalkeeper, first player to wear Adidas in, in English football, and I went to see him in 2004. And he painted a picture of the coffins coming back to Manchester, which just left me speechless. And that was, that was Manchester City's goalkeeper. And I spoke to people like Bill Folkes, um, who, who was obviously in the crash. Um, the people like the son of the only supporter, um, Willie Satinoff, who... who passed away at Munich um, his grandson is a, a big Manchester United fan as well and there's lots of side stories to what happened at Munich and a sizable number of Manchester United fans go to Munich on the 6th of February each year and there's obviously the memorials at Old Trafford on the actual anniversary and on the closest game to it uh, as well and some United fans are undertaking a project to um, support some community initiatives in Munich so that the youth of Munich benefit and they've met a favourable welcome from the Mayor of Munich and also to put a bit of money into the, the memorial there in the Manchester Platz uh, just to smart it up a little bit and there are a lot of people going on the 60th anniversary I remember the 50th anniversary, I remember the 25th anniversary um, the 50th one was when Manchester City came to Old Trafford and you couldn't find a person in Manchester who thought that City fans wouldn't ruin that um, it was just a, a quirk of the, the fixture list and I tell you City fans were magnificent that day I did not hear a peep out of those 3,000 fans in that away and, and I was surprised uh, because it, all it takes is one idiot Yes, just takes one idiot so I'm with Paddy um, and we're going to talk about um, Sir Matt Busby uh, because mm. that's uh, someone who you know very very well from the, the research that you've done yeah. in, into into his life yeah. and my first question is, is a simple one how did the Munich Air disaster change Sir Matt Busby? Completely 
um, he was never the same again. He said many, many years later, time is not the great healer. And he meant by that that uh, although the story of 10 years after Munich, Manchester United fulfill the European, the European dream comes true, it didn't heal it because they never won it. The, the, the 1958 team never won it. So although it was, of course, a tremendous comfort and vindication for him, uh, since he had done the rebuilding himself. But the rebuilding of him, he, he, he had to rebuild not only the team, but himself. Because bear in mind, the extraordinary, beyond the grief, the guilt he bore, or he felt, the guilt he took upon himself. Now, he was a very devout Roman Catholic, and yet he admitted that he wanted to die. In other words, he wanted to take that decision away from God. Now, that's a huge statement for one so devout. He went through hell, even though he lived uh, for, for months after Munich, until his wife, Jean, finally convinced him. I don't know if she believed this, by the way, but it was the best thing she could have said. But she said that the only comfort for all those who died would be to rebuild the club in their honour, and that he only he, Matt, could do that. And that, in a way, saved his life and, uh, and enabled him to regenerate and, uh, and regenerate not only himself physically and mentally but the club so although in a sense you might say well he didn't change because he he came back as good as ever he was definitely a different man as anybody who went through something like that would be he talks about the mental side and the, the physical side mm. how bad physically was he was he affected He's just walked out of a, a wreckage of a plane. Yes, uh, of course. It, it, the plane didn't come out of the sky. It was, a, in a sense, Skidded, it, was a, yeah. it was a road crash yeah. uh, rather than an air crash. But it, it was a, 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 the reason the fatalities were were so high uh, were that were this, not only the speed it was going uh, because it was trying to take off, uh, make a third attempt at, at taking off. But not only that, but the, the plane when the plane broke up. It the back half slewed into a fuel dump and caught fire. So um, the, the 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 fatalities were were great because of that, and and the, the team was in effect, in effect. Although, although some survived, it was in effect wiped out. And I mean to to talk. You 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 spoke earlier very very movingly. Even though you weren't there, you don't you don't have personal experience of it any more than I do. Uh, but that you weren't even alive when it happened, and yet you spoke. You you were emotional when you spoke there because you were thinking of Willie Satinoff's relatives. Willie Satinoff was the was the fan. He was a bit more than a fan. He could have ended up as the club's chairman in many people's view. Uh, Willie Satinoff, a, a fine man, a, a, a friend who, a Jewish friend that Matt uh, knew partly through their shared love of horse racing. Uh, a businessman and uh, but through talking to all of those people some who survived like Bill Foulkes are sadly no longer with us and Bobby Charlton uh, glad, gladly still with us 
um, you know, through through talking to people like that and, and through reliving those stories, you talk about the coffins coming back. I always think of Matt coming back to the club and the stories of how when he came back for the first time and intense into Old Trafford to have a, a, staff, a, a staff and players meeting. And there were two women. One was the uh, mum of uh, Ken Ramsden, a long-time club servant and, and secretary and, well, just about did it, just about everything off the field at Old Trafford. Ken and uh, his mum and her, her cousin were the laundry ladies at Old Trafford. They would clean the strips of Duncan Edwards and Eddie Coleman, both now dead, unfortunately, of course, when Matt returned to Old Trafford. And they were known as Daz and Omo after the soap, the most popular soap powders at the time. And I said to Ken, which was Daz and which was Omo? And he said they answered to both or neither. Nobody knew which was Daz and which was Omo. They asked, answered to both or neither, depending on who was asking. <laughs> they were... They were standing, they were very, you know, modest ladies, although they were very popular, they were very modest and didn't like to push themselves forward, and they, even though the players loved them, and, uh, and, and, and they, uh, they stood very much at the side, because Matt was being embraced by the remaining players, the new players, the, Les Olive, the, the young secretary who'd had to come in because his predecessor had been killed, Walter Crickman. Yeah. And so Daz and Omo were very much on the periphery, but Matt wouldn't have that. And he, he walked across with his walking stick. He could, it was, it was, even then it was difficult to walk. And he went over and he kissed them both. And, and uh, just recalling scenes like that. Also, there was another one that whenever I recall, I feel quite emotional. Daz and Omo had a little subterranean laundry just under the... It, it just... In, on the basement level just past the players entrance at Old Trafford and in fact it used to, there was a little grid there and it used to get flooded sometimes when the Mancunian rain was too heavy but what one thing they did have was the only radio in the club the only transportable radio in the club so on a Monday if United had won in the cup on the Saturday the players would all go down to the laundry and ask Daz and Omo's, and so Daz and Omo would say yes, and they'd come in and they'd all perch on the washing machines and listen to the cup draw. And of course, there was a lot of cheering when they when they drew in uh, um, January 1958 when they drew Sheffield Wednesday because Sheffield Wednesday were sort of relegation bound. It was at Old Trafford. It was it was a very good draw. It would fill the place, but it, it, United were going to win. We're going to win. Have it tied up by half time against a team as dispirited as Sheffield Wednesday, and they so they were delighted at that draw. But uh, most of those young lads who were sitting on those washing machines never played in the match against Sheffield Wednesday, and just memories like that, you know, are poignant, aren't they? Um, we received a, a letter, one of the people close to United we stand recently, from the family of, of uh, David Pegg. Yeah. and uh, they listen to this podcast I didn't know that um, I hope that you enjoy this podcast and they were supportive of the ideas of some of the fans to go yeah. to Munich what I'd spoken about earlier yeah. and uh, David was one of the um, players
players along with Jeff Bent, Roger Byrne, Eddie Coleman, Duncan Edwards, Mark Jones, Tommy Taylor and Liam Whelan who died. Um, We've featured all of them in United We Stand. We've got an article about Liam Whelan um, because a bridge being named after him in in Dublin. The the United staff, Walter Crittmer as you mentioned, Tom Curry the trainer, Bert Wally, uh, the captain of the plane, uh, Ken Raymond, Tom Cable, the, the cabin steward and journalists. We're both journalists. Yes. Uh, Alf Clark, Donny Davis, George Follows, Tom Jackson, Archie Lebrook, Henry Rose, Frank Swift, who we spoke yeah, about, yeah. And, and, and Eric Thompson, and journalists used to fly with the United team yeah. up until about four or five years ago yeah. um, when they were told that they had to make their, their own way. Yeah. Uh, I've always tried to make my own way actually because yeah, as a yeah, journalist yeah. you, you get feel more comfortable. I just find you, you get good stories, um, mm. and there were other passengers who. who, who who died, um, yeah. Bella Miklos and Willie Satanoff, who yes. we've mentioned, who was the, the race course owner yeah. and close friend of... Uh, and Bella Miklos was the travel agent. Yes. Yeah. 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 Can you remember it? Yes, I, I, I do remember it. I was growing up, I was uh, 11 at the time, I was growing up in Dundee, so although it was a national event without any question, um, it was, I think I described it in the book as the tragic reverse of the coronation you know it, it was something that drew the whole country together but in sadness rather than joy and um, yes I, 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 I don't remember it as closely as Manchester did I mean for Manchester yes there have been things since the Ariana Grande concert notably the IRA bomb which luckily took no lives but uh, the um, there have been things since, but the, at, at that time it was a it was a huge event for Manchester and for for Britain as a whole. I mean, but I think what probably for me I don't have any concrete memories of it because we didn't have television, and I suppose as the news was filtering through, I would have been still at school um, because it filtered through a, a late cold afternoon a little bit of snow even falling in Manchester and uh, but uh, yeah I mean I grew up like everybody else in Britain with the the story of Manchester and learned and learned and learned more about it and is there uh, much in the book about Munich yes uh, there had to be it was the bit I was dreading writing about because you probably as a journalist you'll know this that it's easy writing about something you don't care about or that you despise so say you see a terrible nil-nil draw it's easy you just make fun of it but if it's something that's really close to the heart um, you dread it you really dread it what if you make a mistake as you're doing something as important as that and so it was something that I was terrified of but in the end it was it was about a tenth of the book Munich because so Pivotal to Matt's life. More than ten thousand words, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. And who did you speak to? Uh, well, Harry Gregg was yeah. the obvious person. Yeah. I spent the day in uh, Northern Ireland with Harry. Harry's in his eighties now. Um, he's f- as fit as he looks. Good enough to play. He's still walks tall. You know, there's no stoop like you sometimes get as you go a little bit older, he's got a ramrod straight guardsman's back he uh, even though he had back trouble when he was a player but uh, he's as forthright as ever, 
he takes about as many prisoners as Paddy Creran. He's uh, not doesn't suffer fools gladly, um, but he managed to suffer me for a few hours. So I was very grateful for that. He lives on a in a lovely house halfway up a hill in. Uh, in uh, about an hour's drive out of Belfast. Port Rush, is it? Coleraine, yeah, near that. Coleraine, yeah. near, near Coleraine, which was his hometown, yeah. and the first club he played for um, before he, he went to Yorkshire and then on to Manchester United. Port so, Stewart. Port Stewart, that's right. And uh, But he, he, of course, isn't scared to talk about the crash, and uh, it brought it vividly home to... to, to it brought it vividly home to me and I hope to everybody else. Um, there were other stories that, there were stories I was able to deduce from what Harry told me. You mentioned Tommy, in the list of the victims, you mentioned Tommy Cable, who was one of the cabin staff. And Tommy was well known to the journalists and to the players because he was a Man United fan. And he would change his shifts to, so that he could go on United's away trips. And so the journalist said, hello, Tommy. You know, he greeted him as a sort of old friend. And um, Tommy, unfortunately, he had, was married with a child. He was only in his 40s, early 40s, and he was killed. But there was a story that, in one or two accounts of Munich, that he had been strapped into his seatbelt before all the passengers, before the third fatal takeoff, attempt at takeoff. And that conveyed, although it was never said, that conveyed a wholly wrong impression because what became clear to me for the first time as I researched this book, this passage, was that Tommy Cable actually saved, probably saved the lives of Dennis Violet, possibly Bill Fuchs, and Bobby Charlton. Because what happened before the, the first takeoff, everyone went back to their original, uh, people took seats. The second takeoff attempt, they went back to the same seats. The third takeoff attempt, people started thinking strategically here where should I be in this plane just in case we are in trouble? just in case something goes wrong and Tommy Cable asked players who were uh, in the forward facing rear of the plane the, 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 the front section faced back and the rear section faced forward it was an unusual design and some of those who were in the rear section Tommy Cable asked them if they wanted to swap and among those who took up that offer were Bobby Charlton, Bill Fuchs. And they, their decision to swap saved their lives. Tommy Cable died. Now, it, it was just, you may, you know, somebody might think that's a detail. It's a hell of an important detail. It's a life and death detail. And uh, when I when I deduced this from all the, you know, 
I was doing maps, you know, of the of the airline, I think, to make sure that I knew exactly where everybody was, because you have to be absolutely double, treble certain of your, of your facts if you're writing about something uh, as important as that. Um, but it's true. Tommy Cable died a hero. Tommy Cable did not strap himself in and uh, think, oh, it's every man for himself. Tommy Cable thought only of the other passengers, and in particular those players. But even then, you know, the impact was such that Bobby Charlton and Dennis Violet were hurled yards out of the plane, landing in the snow. <laughs> I think it was Bobby Charlton who, who said to Dennis Violet, and he, Bobby always said years and years later, it was the silliest thing I ever said. He said, have we crashed? Um, but, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's these bittersweet memories, you know, there are millions of them, they come back. And um, the resurrection really from, of, of that team was, was miraculous, even in a football sense. If we, if we move on from the human aspect to the footballing side of it, the resurrection of that team, conducted initially by Jimmy Murphy, who'd missed Munich because he was managing Wales at, in Cardiff at, at Matt Busby's insistence. Um, initially by, by Jimmy Murphy and then by Matt himself was miraculous and probably the best way to measure it miraculous in sporting terms when you, probably the best way to measure it is to think of the Torino team who died uh, Superga Superga in 1949 yeah. mm-hmm. and they'd been champions a bit, a, little, a bit like Manchester United they'd been sort of almost automatic champions of Italy well since Superga uh, Torino aren't even the best team in, you know, Juventus have become the best team in Turin. Torino have won one title since 1949. How many have Manchester United won since 1958? That's a measure of uh, Busby and Manchester United's achievement in not being okay. Not every player died, but more de- in real terms, that team was killed. Did the Munich Air disaster? Add to Manchester United's popularity, oh, so which, it, which continues it, it, to this day. It, it's, now, it's a, you might think it's a tasteless thing to say, but yeah. yes, yes. Yet two years after the disaster, mm. gates had fallen right away mm-hmm. at Old Trafford. They did. You're true. You're right. Um, that that is true. It 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 wasn't the case immediately. Uh, fans. In those days, we often look back at the good old days through rose-tinted spectacles. Um, Matt Busby had to work very, very hard to get Manchester United's gates above those of, say, Newcastle and Tottenham. Um, in fact, when he took over, you know, United were not a particularly well-supported club, um, and uh, you, you know, in, in a in a way, the the team that didn't die, you know, the the, the Munich. Le- yeah. Um, yes, the, the, you know, the the team that didn't die, that is in a sense that the legend has has never died. It's it's been. It's an uh, it is even now an undiminished factor in the magic of Manchester United, and it's it's awful to think that because frankly it would be better for the world if United had less magic and those boys hadn't died but there's no doubt about it that it that it gave it a, a great dimension and another another point I often think about is that the glamour 
that unfortunately Munich enhanced uh, was a factor in the growth of Manchester United into an institution that Sir Alex Ferguson fancied. You know, he when he was at Aberdeen, he told his chairman, Dick Donald, he said, Dick Donald was always saying, stay here, Alex, you know, you've still got to work. And he said, look, Dick, I'm only going to leave for two clubs, Barcelona or Manchester United. Now, the reason Manchester United could be mentioned in the same breath as Barcelona was because of what Matt Busby had produced. So if Matt Busby hadn't been manager of Manchester United, Alex Ferguson wouldn't have dreamed of going to Manchester United. So it was, and it is unfortunate that Munich has played a part in in that mystique, in that charisma. And uh, it's to, to, I mean, I think in a way, it, it, it almost it pays respect to Munich that Manchester United, that Alex Ferguson finished the job, that he, I mean, bear in mind, I've seen Manchester United play in the early days of Man- of Alex Ferguson. The ground wasn't even half full. I've seen 28,000 at Man United for a league match on a three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. But Alex Ferguson... With it, it dropped off um, after a couple of years of yeah. Ferguson being in charge. Yes. There were two years in the late 80s when Liverpool overtook Manchester United yes. for the average highest attendances. But the attendances have been pretty staggering at United considering um, how long the team went without winning the league. Best supported team in eight of the ten years in, in, in the 80s. Yes. Um, in but the you, 90s. You'll be aware that Dave Sexton lost his job, not because he, the team wasn't no, winning. No, it was the crowd. But because yeah. the crowds weren't yeah. finding the football attractive yeah, yeah, yeah. enough. Yeah. And that is, that's why I say that, that, that Sir Alex Ferguson, his greatest achievement was to recreate the magic of the of the Matt Busby era and to follow those traditions with such utter loyalty. Before the crash, the players had played in Belgrade against mm. against Red Star, and after the game, the uh, both teams had a had a dinner. Yeah. Um, I went to the hotel where they the they majestic had it, the majestic. In Belgrade, I stayed there a couple of years ago, and there's all sorts of Manchester United memorabilia yes. on the wall. I told the Manu Vidic that I'd stayed in the Majestic, and he just said no. <laughs> I'm not sure whether the Manu's relationship with the people <laughs> who put the money into the Majestic Hotel was always a, a, a smooth one. Yes. And I, I, I researched um, what what had, what happened there, and. Uh, they went out at the, the official banquet and the, the Yorkshire trio of Jones, Taylor and Peg gave a rendition of On Ilky Moor by Tap. Yeah. And as midnight approached, uh, the captain, Roger Byrne, asked Matt if the players could leave the function yeah. and go out to experience the Belgrade nightlife. Yeah. Now, if you've been to Belgrade, that is a nightlife well worth experiencing. <laughs> yes, Not the ideal preparation. Mo- most yeah. of the married ones actually went back to the Majestic, but the young ones went to a club called the Crystal. Correct. That was, uh, with Dragoslav Sekularac, who was the yeah. best player in the uh, Red Star team. Isn't it brilliant it's that the players... wonderful that they all went out, with, also with a journalist, um, who actually uh, Matt invited to, he said, you, the doors to Old Trafford are always open. And he, he went back to his flat from the Crystal, and instead of going to bed, packed a bag, because he was going to come back in the morning and get on the plane. He missed... 
he overslept and missed the flight and that saved his life but uh, yes it was a very convivial and in fact uh, you talk about on Batat, but the last song that was sung Roger Byrne led the United players in a rendition of the old wartime Vera Lynn song we'll meet again and of course they were destined not to meet again but not Roger although uh, United did eventually go back to Belgrade but it's extraordinary that match was a three-all draw that you know, where United had built up a three-goal lead and squandered it. Now, how many times in more recent areas, eras have we heard Ferguson say, we never do things the easy way? Well, the game before that, United had played Arsenal, and every United five fan four, knows yeah. it was a 5-4, but they gave away a three-goal lead in that one. Yeah. Twice in a row they'd given away a three-goal lead and survived and that was you know the last two matches of the Busby Babes was basically all you need to know about how they entertained how they played football and what a splash of colour they sent over football in not only England but in Europe it saddens me the red star in uh, football in the Balkans now is nowhere near as strong no, no. Uh, since the Balkanisation no. uh, all of those countries the domestic leagues have, have been reduced so when I was last in Belgrade, I watched a couple of top flight games in front of three figures. Mm. Red Star Partizan is still an amazing game. Yeah. Um, and, and Red Star as a club, they they seem quite proud of their connection with yeah. Manchester United. Yes. There's a, there's a significant part of their club museum dedicated to the Munich air disaster, which I think is quite a nice touch in the fact that the last game was it is, played it, in Belgrade. It is. It, it, it's, uh, you know, football people we who watch football we would not always perfectly behave there have been some shameful episodes but tragedy does bring football fans together as humans and um, we saw it in, a year ago with the Capacoense team yeah. in, in their plane crash in. yeah that was respected all over the world yeah. and and uh, uh, yes I, I, th I think both in, in Munich and in, in Belgrade you, you, there is a little piece of Manchester United yeah Thank you for your time. It's a pleasure. Um, check out um, Paddy's books and Matt Busby. The definitive, the definitive biography. biography. It's a big one. How long did it take to write? Oh, eight, uh, a year to write and uh, 18 months to research. I couldn't leave anything on the off the page on this. I had to get it right. And, uh, well, if I, if I failed in anything, it's not for the lack of trying. This was truly a labour of love. Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Reds. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.